I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yes or no, did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. I had no prior knowledge of the planned assault on Nancy Kerrigan. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in. Welcome, everybody. It's Oops the Podcast. We hope you are well. We are on the eve of 4th of July, and uh, I'm Francis, and he's Julio Gallarati. As always, G, how are you? Thanks for giving me the last name, dude. You gave yourself just the first name. You gave me the last name. What a, what a kind. You know, I, I like to think that I'm a little bit like Ellen. Um, I can just <laughs> go by my first name. Um, <laughs> I have, you do too. Like we both have very distinct first names, but I've always only kind of been known as Francis. Right, right, right. right. I, very few people need to clarify Francis Ellis. Right, right, um, right, right. And by the way, someone once explained this theory to me, like when, when I was in college, because we had a mix of friends, some of whom would be known by their first name and some of whom were known by their last name. And we, we, we were trying to think, figure out why that was the case. Why did certain people just uh, become known by their first name and some became known by their last name? And we realized... It's whichever of those two names is more unusual. Right. That's the one people gravitate towards. That's very fair. And my last name, Ellis, I think, is much more common than my first name, Francis. And so everyone calls me Francis. Whereas with you, I mean, boy, you've got two pretty uncommon names. But I would think that Julio is much easier to say than Gallarati. So most people go with Julio. It's easy. Once you know the name, it's easier. But initially, yeah. it's actually harder for people to say it correctly. Yeah. But yeah, people just, yeah. People even just call me G. That's right. I, that's Julio, what I do. You don't, you don't meet too many girls who go by their last name. Yeah, that's true. Like, would you say to a girl, like, what up, Samson? If her name's Laura Samson? Like, you might say that if you're trying to flirt with her, you know, <laughs> right. in eighth grade. Yeah, or if that- she's like a, a super jock. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say either you're flirting with her or you're absolutely not flirting with her. Yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> she's got Samson written on the back of her boathouse jacket, right? <laughs> and she's got all these varsity letters sewn on and she, she walks around with like ribbons in her hair so that she doesn't have <laughs> to put them in later. Dude, speaking of, of like high school, um, I, tell me if you had a situ- any situations like this, but I have a high school teacher that stood out to me as being very unusual. He was the photography teacher. His name was Mr. B. He had a long name, so we just called him Mr. B. Cool. Um, and he was so bizarre. Like, he loved baseball. And I, at the time, loved baseball, too. And I was, like, playing fantasy baseball and stuff. He was telling me all about stratomatic baseball, how that was, like, the precursor to fantasy. We'd start talking about baseball, and he would get so excited. He'd go, you know what? He goes, go to the library and talk to Mr. Matthews about baseball. So in the middle of class, he would just send me. <laughs> to the library to talk to the librarian about baseball who also loved baseball. But the librarian was not in on this. So I'd get there probably once a week and I'd be like, oh man, the Orioles last night. And he'd be like, he was so unsure of what I was doing there. <laughs> My photo teacher is such a fucking character, dude. He would just send me up there. It was so weird. Why, why would he not want you to continue talking to him about baseball but he cared so much that you continue to get your baseball fix that he would send you to a surrogate 
<laughs> sent me in the middle of class to what? the library to talk to the librarian about baseball. It was absolutely insane. I was like, this guy is so funny. And you look back on stuff like that and you're like, there's no way that was okay. Uh-huh. And I wonder if the faculty, you like, you wonder what the faculty thought about the other faculty. In a way, the faculty is its own like high school clique. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, God, it's a great point. We, <laughs> you know, what was the pecking order? Like, did, did, did faculty, faculty tell each other how many students had asked them for college recommendation letters that year? Was that their currency? <laughs> was that the dick measuring contest among, among teachers? I wonder, cause that's like a pretty good way to know, you know, if you're a popular teacher. If a bunch of kids write teacher recommendation, ask you to write teacher recommendation letters for them, that would mean you're a pretty popular teacher, I think. Totally. And I think also, like, there's an important distinction between, like, cool and, like, cool but also respected. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that's the person who gets tapped for the recommendation, I feel. Yes. Yeah. Firm but fair. Right. Right. Because we had teachers who were pushovers who we just kind of pretended to like because we knew that we could take a 25-minute bathroom break to go get waffles at the cafeteria. <laughs> exactly. And by the way, dude, I had a math teacher that was like this, and we just sort of took advantage of her, and we would go to the, go to the bathroom. And we, our cafeteria had a waffle machine, and you could make your own waffles. That's and crazy then you would it would have a bottle of like ready whip you know and you could just put as much whipped cream on there as as you wanted and then drench it in maple syrup <laughs> and you know it was like it was like 75 cents for a waffle <laughs> dude i would eat one of these waffles at like 10 a.m by noon <laughs> i always wondered why i had such a hard time staying awake in high school <laughs> it's because i was guzzling whipped cream syrup and waffles at, at 10 a.m. What kind of 16-year-old can survive eating that shit? My blood sugar was just plummeting. Dude, that is fucking great. That's so true. Also, it's like kind of, I was going to ask, I'm surprised they even charged you. You're like making, you have to make your own waffle. Like you're just dumping fucking waffle mix into a machine and they're charging you for that yeah totally you, sense. You, you had to pay for everything but like lunch at our school was like four dollars and 25 cents yeah it's amazing they came huh? out with this man they had this ridiculous local article in the newspaper that came out about how many how many pounds of lettuce our cafeteria went through in a week it's a lot it, it will yeah and it was meant to highlight our cafeteria offered healthy food at lunch Right. But it was complete bullshit because the lettuce was all like iceberg wedge shavings and kids would pile their plates or their trays with iceberg wedge lettuce. <laughs> and then they would eat their corn dog and their slice of pizza. And then they would typically drench the lettuce in ranch and then throw most of that out. Right, right. There was so much food Wasteful. waste and nobody would touch their salad. It's, you know, it's not like we had some answer to why... We, we weren't the exception to high school cafeterias having unhealthy food. Um, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, crazy, man. I don't know. Dude, I, t I talked about on this about how I got a ticket, right? Recently? 
Yeah, did I talk? I talked about that. You on said you, yeah, you went, you were going fifty and a thirty-five. Yeah. yeah. So, dude, I it's funny. The last time I was on a road trip, I got a ticket as well, and I was with a friend at the time, and he was like a younger friend. Uh, this guy Eddie, he's a good guy, but it was really funny what happened. We get pulled over, and uh, <laughs> the the officer kind of leans in. He's talking, and uh, Eddie goes, "Hey, man, you ever see the show True Detective?" And the guy goes. Uh, no, no, I haven't. He goes, you kind of remind me of, uh, of one of the guys in there. And the guy goes, oh, thanks. And then he goes, also, nice hat. <laughs> and the guy goes, thanks. And then he walks back to his car. And as he walks back to his car, Eddie looks at me and he goes, see what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> and then we immediately got a ticket. <laughs> like, <laughs> he thought he was being so slick, dude. He thought he'd fixed it. <laughs> he thought he fixed it totally. Nice just like, hat. <laughs> nice I mean, hat. I was like, dude, come on. You, you know, that. I, I've been pulled over once for speeding. I think I was going like 48 in a 35 or something. I wasn't bombing. But I was driving my parents' Prius. This was back in high school. I was on my way to play rehearsal. And uh, I was wearing like a button down shirt for some reason. And the whole, I mean, I know this is a white privilege painting that I'm putting together here, but there was no chance I was going to get a ticket. Right. No chance. The entire thing was, was so set up from every aspect for this guy to let me off with a warning, which is exactly what happened. And I know it's really douchey to talk about that, <laughs> but um, I do think that there are ways to chances of getting a warning instead of a ticket. And what are those? One, be born a woman. Two, start crying. Um, if you don't have access to either of those options, be polite be forthcoming with you know your your license and uh your registration uh here's a question do you think it's better to say hello officer or hello sir i don't know but it's also funny that sir is short for officer wait <laughs> i mean actually, kind of like, <laughs> but just, like sir c-e-r yeah exactly <laughs> or um, you could even go s-e-r like he's a knight <laughs> sir jamie <laughs> yeah, right. I think that either is is acceptable, and I, I guess I'm wondering, like, do you think that there are some cops that'll feel more buttered up because you're acknowledging their profession by saying hello, officer, or do you think that that's so formal that that might take them out of what could potentially be a bonding, friendly exchange between the, you know, the elderly cop who just wants to seem cool to the young hip kid driving to play rehearsal in his parents' Prius? I don't, I don't know. I think you bring up a good point. It's important to be respectful. But I think that also, if you, if you show that you're being scared and obedient, they're more likely to, to be good to you. Like, dude, I remember one time I jumped a turnstile. I was going to visit my girlfriend who went to RISD at the time, mm -hmm. Rhode Island School of Design. Um, I hopped the turnstile because I, I like had no money. And I was trying to save the extra $2 which is how sad is that? Yes. Anyway, you were a criminal. So, yep. Mm -hmm. so I hop, I get caught. I have marijuana in my pocket. Oh God. 
and I'm like really scared at, that I'm going to get arrested. It's like the opposite of going to visit my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Literally, yeah. getting arrested is the opposite of that. So I was like shaking. I was like really fucking scared. And the cop goes, "Why are you shaking?" And I go, "I'm scared." And then they immediately let me go because I admitted that I was scared. Like they thought that like that was good enough punishment. Me having to admit that I was afraid or something. I my heart just broke when you said that (laughs) i'm scared i mean what a simple kryptonite now i'm sure that won't work for everybody right i'm sure there are some cops that are like you should be spread your fucking legs (laughs) um you know but uh boy yeah appealing to someone's sense of humanity and acknowledging your true feelings and uh i don't know that's that's such an interesting way I have that. What a, what a great, it's worth a try. It's worth a try. Worth a try, man. I mean, getting like dealing with the police is scary no matter what. Uh, so, you know, good yeah. luck getting out of it if you can. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Guys, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, fill in the blanks here. If I were in a concert right now and I said, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, I'd then turn the microphone to all of you sitting in the stadium. And you would all yell, Anchor, Anchor. And then you'd say, go to anchor.fm to download the software where you could host your very own podcast, see all the best analytics. You could see it in a way that was really user-friendly and nice and not too technical and industry jargony. It's a way that any person can look at it and be like, ooh, that's pretty. And also it's our podcast. And there's no minimum listenership required to advertise and monetize. So you can immediately have ads when you hit the ground running. It's really exciting, really spectacular. If you want to start your very own podcast, Anchor.fm. Download it now. Well, dude, we got a good uh, a good submission. Maybe we okay, should. let's 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 check it out. Okay, so first of all, thank you guys for um, for sending your your oopses to us. Uh, we love reading them; they're great. Yeah. Um, so here we go. My sister-in-law was dog sitting in Chicago for a week while the family was on vacation abroad. This dog was super old and unfortunately ended up passing away while she was dog sitting. Oh, that's boy. the worst. She tried to contact the family, but uh, as she knew, they didn't have any cell phone service and were unreachable for the week. So she called a vet in the city, and they said that she could bring the dog. Uh, They said that she could bring the dog in, and they would take care of it for her, cremate it or whatever they do to dogs. Because this was pre-Uber, she didn't have a car in the city with her. She had to get on public transportation, specifically (laughs) the train to get to the vet in the city. In order to get the dead dog there, she ended up putting it in a duffel bag to take on the train. Oh, yeah. <laughs> while she was on the train, <laughs> while she was on the train, she noticed this guy suspiciously eyeing her in the bag. As the door opened at one of the stops, the guy suddenly sprinted out while grabbing the duffel bag out of her hands. He disappeared before she could even react. But also, what was she going to do anyways? He probably thought it was full of money, electronics, literally, <laughs> literally anything besides a dead dog. She had to explain to the vet and the owners of the dog how the dog not only died on her watch, but she got the remains stolen from her on the train. Jesus to me, the funniest Christ. part about this is, the, is just imagining the thief's disgust as he opened the bag with the dead dog. That's crazy, dude. Yes. Now, I'm going <laughs> to lay down our typical oops disclaimer, okay? I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I have to do this. I've just been around the internet long enough. I am aware that this story might not be true, okay? Right. 
I'm acknowledging that someone may just be sending this or have heard it, but this, this sounds eerily similar to the time that we heard about the, Kidney. the liver transplant surgery or the, the, you know, the bathtub of ice, that urban legend that every doctor denounced. Um, I feel like I've almost heard a version of this story before, but let's, for the sake of entertainment and joy, Let's just be new, newborn children with wool over our eyes and pretend like this is real. Dude, so many things that I have issue with. One, what kind of fucking family goes on a vacation to Europe knowing that their beloved dog of 14 or 15 years is on death's doorstep? How much of an asshole would you have to be to be like, well, he's only got probably a week left, maybe at, mo at most two months, but we don't need to be here when he dies. We're off to Paris. Good luck, child. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe this story either, to be honest. There's a lot of things about it that seem suspicious. That, that being one of them. Like, who leaves their, their, yeah. do their dog, like you said, on death row alone and just goes on vacation? People love their dogs. Yes. Yes. Um, secondly, how would you handle this situation if it were true? Uh, if you're the dog sitter, what would you do? Well, dude, this happened to me when we were in Italy, when I was a little boy, I was like eight and we were there for a few, for like three or four months. We were there for a while. And our friend Dave was dog sitting. He's one of my dad's kind of like, a, um, coworkers at, at mm -hmm. Wesleyan. Um, he's like, Dave, Dave was watching the cat. While Dave was watching the cat, the cat died. And I then blamed Dave for killing. I was running around Italy screaming, Dave killed Smokey. Like I was crying and wailing. And Dave, I blamed Dave. I still don't know what happened to the cat to this day. They said I got hit by a skateboard. That doesn't sound. Maybe some, maybe it got eaten or, or disappeared or something because they, they and they was wanted it to soften the blow. Was it at a skate park and somebody landed a, like a, a 360 flip coming off of a rail on it? Like I can't, or, or was it at the bottom of a hill that some longboarders were bombing? Right, dude, I call bullshit on that. What's with all these like fucking lying, lies of animal death stories, dude? I gotta <laughs> ask my parents what really happened to the cat. Maybe they you were should. Free to tell me. Well, you dude, should. I don't, look, what I, what I would do, man, if that happened to me, is I would have a panic attack. Oh, that seems useful. I would, good, I would be, dude, I'd be start. so scared. Because how do they not blame you? You know, you hope that there's an acknowledgement that the dog was so close to dying that, right. you know, it happened. And it's, you know, it's like, God... Normally, when you're dog sitting, if you were to miss feeding the dog a meal or forget to take it out to go to the bathroom, it wouldn't kill the dog, right? And those are kind of the only things that could really go wrong. It's mostly just negligence when you're dog sitting that means you've done a bad job. Right. Most families are not going to assume that they hired a dog sitter who, you know, is a budding serial killer starting with mid-sized mammals who brought it into the bathtub and held its head underwater, singing it a gentle lullaby goodbye. <laughs> I don't think that that's the assumption when the dog, you know, is incontinent and bumping into doors because it's blind. Um, so, so, 
so I guess uh, you'd have a panic a panic attack. Would you have the gumption to to wrap it up in something and bring it to the vet, or would you bury it in a yard somewhere? Would you grab a shovel and, and put it, you know, put it to rest? I would definitely bring it to the vet. First, I would call people who had dogs and find out what to do. But mm-hmm. yeah, I would definitely do just doing a like DIY burial and filming it and sending it to the family. That's <laughs> just like the way, like well-intentioned, but handling it completely wrong. Oh, there's so many Stay ways to go. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's so many ways to, you could theoretically try to do? put it in a freezer to preserve it um for the family you know you're gonna are you gonna want the family to have a chance to say goodbye and let them bury it you don't know if the family wants it cremated this story said that the the woman couldn't get in touch with the family which another kind of seems like bullshit big red flag yeah um so i don't know yeah obviously your first recourse is to get in touch with the family ask them what they think you should do I think I think I could probably bury it if they wanted me to do that. I think I could probably dig a big hole and, and put the dog down there and say goodbye. Dude, that's also a dick move on their part. Like you went from dog sitting to now doing like an excavation. Like- <laughs> dog sitting to archaeologist. Yeah, like literally. It'll take you like two, three hours of hard work to dig that fucking hole. <laughs> Coroner and archaeologist. <laughs> Very different hats. Yeah, you need a big tip after that week. That's for sure. <laughs> you need a big tip. But you could also run into a family that's like, well, you only had to look after a live dog for half the time. So after that, you were just watching our DVD collection. <laughs> Dude, I had to cat sit once for, Aunt, for, for Mrs. Zill. Um, she was a neighbor. And I don't know, I was probably like 12, 13 Dude, she paid me a dollar a day. <laughs> I had to go over there and like feed the cats and like change the kitty litter and all this bullshit. And that they had two cats and it was for a week. And it was a long, like it was like a 10 minute walk for me to get to their house. By the end of the week, she paid me $7. She didn't even round up to 10. Oy. Bro, that's the thing, man. When you get old, old people's like minds are not subject to inflation. Like they think it's still 1944 when they pay you for shit. Well, dude, think about this. The minimum wage is like $15 now. In New York. When I was a kid, it was like $4.25. And everybody I knew made that. Yeah. That's just what you accepted for scooping ice, ice cream all summer at, you know, the fucking shack near Scoop-dee-doo. the pool yeah dude totally that's, yeah that, that was a fair pay yeah i earned 675 and i being the basketball court attendant one night a week dude i absolutely ran the scoreboard i ref youth soccer games yeah. the best job i ever had i think i've told you this one summer I, I i got a job working at the canoe and kayak rental place in prouts which is the really wealthy old money enclave it's kind of the hamptons of maine out out past scarborough and it really is i mean it's a lot of new york families and stuff um and there was this canoe and kayak rental place called the nonsuch or and paddle club i mean even the name uh, oozes old money and we would have to take <laughs> these kayaks and canoes off the shelves and bring them down to the beach so that families could go out for a little paddle and uh i'm i think like i think i made like 11 dollars an hour there which seemed like a 
an absolute windfall. Shit ton, yeah. But halfway through that summer, I befriended a lot of the really wealthy kids that were members of the families that came out there. And we would go to their screened in porches at night and play beer pong. And it was my first real like initiation into teenage drinking. And it was so fun. And I would just spend the night at their massive houses and, and then go to be the working boy during the, the day. I, I, I was kind of like uh, John B in, um, in uh, Outer Banks. You probably don't know that, but a lot of us do. And, <laughs> what the uh, fuck does that mean? Well, you probably haven't watched that show. You've been busy, like, you know, killing dogs and shit. Um, <laughs> Hilarious. Just like burn there, dude. Thank you're taking 500 mile detours to see <laughs> caribou. And meanwhile, some of us have to work. Um, <laughs> that is fucking great, dude. No, but, but really quick. So, so, uh, you know, I befriended these kids and one day they brought me to, they had figured out that at the very fancy hotel, which was called the black point Inn, which was up on the bluff. Um, it was a wasp stronghold. They figured out that at every day at like 3 PM, they put out a tea which was serve yourself. And so you could make yourself tea, but it also had these finger sandwiches and little pastries and free food, basically. So we would walk in and we would just rifle through this thing. I mean, we would pillage the tea setup. And um, they had a grand piano, a Steinway grand piano in the uh, sort of place near the tea. It was like this big, I don't know what you'd call it, uh, hall kind of in between where like the bar area was and where the formal dining room was. And I one day asked some kind of like, you know, some person who worked there if I could play the piano really quick. And they were like, yeah, I don't give a shit. Um, And I sat down and I started playing and I was playing for like five minutes. And a manager from the hotel came out and said, hey, you're pretty good. Would you be interested in playing here two nights a week during cocktail hour? And I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. And he goes, great. We'll pay you $50 an hour. And all of a sudden, dude, I went from making $11 an hour to adding, I I would play for like three hours, two nights a week. And all of a sudden I was making $300 a week in addition to my, my full-time Nonesuch Orin Paddle Club thing. And dude, it felt like, it felt like I'd won the fucking lottery. (laughs) That's great, dude. Making $50 an hour seemed like more money than I could ever have imagined. I got a five X raise for this other job, which was just for me to sit and play the piano. I had to wear like a blazer or whatever. And um, that was, that was probably the best job for that stage of life that I ever had. Yeah, dude, that's fantastic. Good to have a, a, a usable skill can yeah. upcharge. Hell yeah. Very dope. Um, all right. Well, why don't we wrap there, dude? Um, I wanted to ask you about any crazy summer jobs that you ever had as a kid. Do you have any interesting ones that you want to share? Uh, I mean, dude, I, I used to teach tennis, obviously. And yeah. it's funny, like it, teaching tennis can be stressful if you don't have infrastructure. Like I used to kind of like pick up these lessons. There are these women who lived in this town and I looked online for nearby courts. I was like, all right, I'll meet you here and we'll, pl- we'll play. Mm-hmm. So we get to the courts and there's no courts. They're like renovating. So now we have to like find a new court. So we literally drive around for like 30 minutes looking for courts. I was panicking. Like it's really stressful. And we finally get there. And in the middle of the lesson, the woman fucking breaks her ankle. Oh my God. And she starts screaming. Ah! Obviously I never hear from them again, but like, <laughs> yeah, like, like having to teach tennis on your own, you need to invest in like 
a yeah. good ball hopper and like good. And I just like never did that. And because of that, I never got my like little side tennis business off the ground, but I just, I also didn't give a fuck about it. So yeah. Whatever. Yeah. That's tough, man. I, I I've, I've watched some private tennis lessons and my heart just goes out to the instructors. I just think there's, ugh, that's a, that is a thankless job. It's a thankless job. You get a good hourly wage for it, but you earn it. You know, you really do. You can't take a break to text. You can't like, no, you're, you're out standing there all day, all that. You're in the sun. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. Well, listen, everybody, happy 4th of July. We will be back with you next week as ever. Um, it's Oops the Podcast. Please send us anything you'd like to, to have us potentially look over uh, to oopsthepodcast at gmail.com. Follow our Instagram. Follow our YouTube. We, uh, we yes. launch all of our episodes in full on our YouTube channel. Uh, he's not Julio with the J on Instagram. I'm Francis C.C. Ellis. Um, thanks so much. Happy 4th of July. Yeah, thank you guys. And thank you for, uh, you know, joining me on this road trip. The next time you hear from me, I will have landed at my final destination if I'm still alive. So uh, thank you guys for all your suggestions and stuff. And we will talk to you soon. Hell yeah. Good luck.